0: Have you seen The Dark Knight Rises, the Batman movie? From Yeah, I have yeah, seen the Batman movie. Yeah, 2012. I was re- rewatching it over the weekend uh with some friends. And you know, Anne Hathaway is Catwoman in in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's on We crashed Apple TV. A show um, you love. A show I love, yeah. Yeah. Uh but I, I I noticed that she she has a friend in the movie. Catwoman has a friend in the movie whose name is Jen. And Jen is featured in like only a few scenes. Doesn't really play a role in the movie at all. But I thought, hmm, she looks familiar. <laughs> and I love watching movies and like making connections of who's from what else. Um, But I, I couldn't quite place it. And so I looked it up and it was Juno Temple who plays on top yes, show. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was like, huh. Oh. Uh, it was, you know I, as he said last time like, oh, I've like, i never seen this 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 person before but little did I know I saw this person in 2012 <laughs> uh, is, is Judith Temple a person who's on movies and TV shows in the UK more because she's a British actor
1: do you know I always think she's in American stuff more but I could be wrong really that yeah, might be right she was oh wait, she's on she's on like three different Apple TV projects in some form or another she's on Mosquito um, right not Mosquito. Yeah, not Mosquito. Uh, no. She's in Palmer, the Justin that's, that's Timberlake the film. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And she's also one. in another one that I can't remember. Uh, yeah. It might be voice only, um, but she's in at least three. And I think before Ted Lasso, she was like she did a show called Vinyl on HBO in America. Like, okay. I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't recognize her um, yeah. before Ted Lasso. I'll put it that way. So, yeah. wow. Like, if I, I'm not like super into the whole Hollywood stuff, general, if you unless you're like top lane actors you know so. yeah I have a lot of free time so I watch of have Netflix. you watched any of the Ted Lasso season yeah I'm up to date I've been watching it
0: on release day which which is Tuesday night <laughs> <laughs>
1: it releases on Wednesday officially but it's out on Tuesdays. for yeah,
0: whatever reason yeah I mean Tuesday night it's not even like super late at
1: night you can, can watch Ted Lasso and it's like, oh. yeah, yeah. I, I, I recently have been waiting and watching them in a bunch so I haven't actually jumped in yet but probably, probably good I think it's pretty good uh, yeah it's getting hmm. better Getting
0: nice, better. Nice. Yeah. Episode episode one, you're like, "Oh, that's a lot." They set up for the season, of course.
1: I feel like they do that every season, though. Like, yeah, every, season, every season, two was season, like that As well, a lot yeah. Of yeah. Yeah, it's pretty common. But uh, yeah, it's getting better. Good, 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 good. Looking yeah. forward to Tetris on. That comes out tomorrow, or at today, as we really Well, I <laughs> know, whenever. I always get confused because it's a bit like Apple. Um, Apple TV Plus shows coming out on Wednesday, but coming out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. This is scheduled for Friday, but nowadays we come out on Thursdays. But anyway, yeah. Friday this week, the Tetris movie comes out on TV+. That looks very good, so I'm looking forward we
0: to it. We record on now. Friday, but release the day before.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. that. Yeah. Anyway. What does what, what Apple
0: TV+, Plus not, uh, why does Friday Night Baseball not have the, the, the first Friday night games of baseball? I have no idea. Because today's opening day for MLB. Mm-hmm. And there are games tomorrow as well. And it's, what, They're the 7th of April or something like that, whenever they...
1: It was like this last time as well. It was like a week late for whatever reason. Yeah. And, end and the end they end the end week a couple of week early as well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Eddie Q,
0: come on. Now you gotta pay for it, so like they ought to have all the season. <laughs> <laughs> Apple TV plus. Yeah. Uh, well, Apple s- Apple T V Apple Pay. Apple Pay later. Apple Pay later. Yeah, is yeah. Here. Speaking
1: of things coming later, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, later is here for some in the US only, invite only. <laughs> The way this and this is obviously
1: out. originally meant to come out last year because it, it was, was announced. announced I was sixteen. WWDC, yeah. Announced WWDC, then it was delayed. Um, then it was delayed some more, and now finally, it's coming out in a limited rollout to select random users. Is mm. is the phrasing Apple says on its press release? Starting today, randomly selected users will be invited to get early access to a pre-release version of Apple Pay Later <laughs> via the Wallet app. Uh, <laughs> So if you want to do a buy now, pay later scheme through the wallet, you can hope that you're in the randomly selected group and they will be rolling out um, fully for U.S. customers in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I I am random but not select. So no, don't go here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and in case people forgotten, this is the thing where if you're making an online Apple Pay purchase in the Apple Pay sheet that pops up on the phone obviously you can pay in full or there's a little tab you can switch to pay in four installments or sorry uh yeah, for i think yeah it's four installments over six weeks so you pay two now you pay two in two weeks time two in another two weeks and two in another two weeks um i feel like the buy now pay, like, stuff was a huge huge like popular thing especially like last year like a firm those other the, those other businesses was, like talked about constantly as being like the next big thing and it's kind of died away just as apple things come out but i think that's just the the ebb and the flow of the fad more than the practicality of it like if you're getting interest-free payments over six weeks there's an argument to say well why not use them Uh, I mean if you if you look into it seriously the credit that you're getting isn't much different to a credit card really because like you know you're paying over six weeks to be paid two weeks up front then you're paying installments whereas a credit card you, you know you you pay off the balance 30 days later so it kind of equals out but you know eligibility differs rewards differ, and stuff like this feature get used because it's built into the platform right like people people in the us they make a purchase online the fee sheet comes pops up and it says you can pay in full or you can pay in four parts and you don't have to pay any fees on it like a lot of people are going to choose that option because it's convenient and cheaper and you know if you if you are especially on lower incomes it's nice to be able to spread out purchases so When this feature was first announced, there was a lot of punditry discussion about whether Apple should be getting into this stuff, like financial engineering schemes, is it really a business Apple should be involved in? I've kind of felt like those arguments fell away once they entered the credit card market with the Apple card. This feels like a, in some ways, less predatory version of the Apple credit card stuff anyway. So uh, I don't have anything like... I'm no more offended by it than I was when they did the credit card stuff. So I've kind of got used to it. It just feels like, well, it's a feature of the phone. I'd rather Apple be offering the service than like third-party companies that really do put the squeeze on you. Uh, so here it is. Some people are going to use it. Um, and I don't know if you have any different opinion on it.
0: Well, I think that... So Affirm is a big one. Uh, Klarna is another one. And there are more. And I think that will like the, the hype of... Just the, the the popularity in terms of like them being money makers for the, mm-hmm. for the, the companies making these has that's what's gone down. Um, and then for Apple's sake, it's just sort of well, we think that if that we if these exist already, so let's make our one of our own so that we're not giving um, these other companies ways of of attracting customers, and then they market it as as private and secure.
1: Um, and they're gonna make it some money out of it because the mm-hmm. way these things work from the business p- perspective is that they present to the retailer as a high value credit card so they the credit card cut is highest at you know like the 1%, 3% card whatever it is. And obviously they they then debit you from a debit card so they don't pay the fees paying you. So basically they skim you know one, two percent off the transaction. That's how all these banner pay pay companies actually make money. And so that's how Apple will be getting into the game. And as long as they only offer it to people that can afford to repay it. Uh, it's pretty high margin. Obviously, the risk is that you offer it to people that can't repay it, and then you know they go into default and, and whatnot. from there, and this is interesting from a company's p- perspective, is this is the first big feature that comes out of their you know breakout initiative where they're yeah. taking all their financial um, services in house. So the the loan that you're getting through Apple Pay Later is directly from the Bank of Apple. The card that the fake card that's used is still um, associated with Goldman Sachs, but the actual yeah. like loan is on Apple's balance sheet. So when they say they have you know fifty billion dollars in cash or whatever, now we have to pay later. Some of that money is getting allocated to these loan repayments, um, mm-hmm. which maybe explains partly why they're being so cautious in rolling out to you know a select <laughs> group in very small amounts because they they're not risking their own money until they're sure that the uh, the system is foolproof.
0: Yeah, and with a firm and with a firm especially that you know you get much longer periods. You can choose. Um, but maybe you'll see like six months, twelve months, and th- and there there is interest associated. and It's probably a pretty high interest rate for what it is because it's 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 a lower threshold, you know, to, to participate for creditworthiness. Um, but that seems to be like I I used a, I bought a mattress that way several years ago, and, and well, several isn't like five, and that was that was a decent experience because it's like here's this expensive purchase, and then you you roll it out over several months um with, with the apple pay stuff with apple pay later um they they do have a dollar amount i think that you can go up to they
1: they, they advertise i don't in my head it's like 2000 but maybe it's yeah. Like it's, i think there was a rumored number i'm not sure they've like officially named it yeah yeah
0: i think i think they might have but um anyway this seem, apple pay later seems like the least aggressive in terms of like, like oh okay
1: he's it, in the release. sorry a thousand dollars is the maximum okay
0: okay yeah what sort the of difference uh it seems like it's it's like the, the least beneficial for people because it is in such a like it's you know if you look at it in terms of like pay periods it's like one and a half at, you know if, if it's like monthly or um you know maybe three if it's if it's bi or bi-monthly so that it seems like it's not as compelling but because it's built in, you'll just see it as an option then 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 maybe people use it that way um Amazon has a thing like this too for Amazon purchases online, and and they're similar in that there's no interest, um, and there's no like like you don't get it isn't like you're deferring interest if you make the payments on time. There's just no interest, and if you don't make the payments, then the consequence is you can't use the service anymore. You can't use Apple Pay later anymore if you don't if you you know basically default on your and probably your entire
1: Apple ID account is frozen. (laughs) I don't know, but. Well, that's uh, that's what happens risky. with the apple card right if you if you fall into um if your account if your apple purchase falls into um dispute they just freeze your whole account to it's to the to it's resolved so that's rough yeah
0: um yeah so, so it seems like but even even with amazon's service you can do i think three or six months depends on the purchase amount and and, and, and but it's, it's it's like apple pay later where it's based on you as a customer of the company, so Amazon is based on your history um, with with Amazon purchases, and 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 so is Apple Pay later with, with you as an Apple customer. So it seem, seems like the least like least beneficial, most conservative, but built in. So of course it'll it'll have some some adoption there,
1: uh, and anti competitive uh, implications, I'm sure, because it's quite a big valuable real estate to be literally in the payment sheet as one button to switch over yeah. to paying parts which obviously all these third-party services don't have any opportunity to be there. So I'm sure that'll be a, a something that ends up at the EU's desk because they're already investigating um, the monopoly power of Apple Pay on the phone and stuff. So yeah. there's just it, some it, more ammo for that, for sure.
0: Yeah, analysts are predicting that this thing just eats, eats the other competitors, you know, because it is built in and it's on it's on the iPhone. But I, I tend to think that because it's, it, it, it could be anti-competitive, but it's not that competitive in terms of... Um, how long you can do this for? Total amount you can do it for? There's no way to do it in stores, and other services have an in-store component where you can get approved, and you can even like put it in Apple Pay, and then Apple Pay with a virtual card for your loan. Um, so it seems like you know it's. I, well, I'm just car- I'm curious, I guess, of, of of how there's a few things here. How quickly they roll it out now that it's available to some, and then what the adoption is like. So we'll see. Uh, I like to I like to buy with with Klarna. I think Klarna is like I, I don't think there's interest there. It's just like payments over. It's very similar to, to what this is. Um, mm-hmm. But but I like I like to buy sports tickets that way because it's like you know it's not essential <laughs> and it's like can be pricey up front and it's like uh, well if it's just payments you know divided by X and goes down easier. Uh, and so I've, I've had fun doing those with with going to like basketball games and football games, but. Uh, Yeah, well, well, I don't have it yet, so (laughs) we'll let you know if I do. And you, and you're in the UK, so you can't have it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like like any Apple Apple, Pay
1: advance feature is off the table.
0: Yeah, no card, no cash, no later. Uh, WWDC got announced this week. There's a there's a date for it, June fifth. June the fifth. All right. In the Monday through Friday, just like last
1: year, no difference. Yeah, that was a bit sad because. This felt like this could be the year they're going back to the full in-person shebang, uh, with you know COVID under control, let's say, um, and in-person events very much acceptable. But it is no different to last year. They're streaming it online. It sounds pre-recorded, almost certainly. They're inviting students and press to come, to come and watch it, and then they'll have some hands-on and some you know activities you can do throughout the day. The logo is... Well, it's not really a logo, but, like, it kind of looks like the Apple Park rainbow stage in, like, fluorescent colours. I mean... Hard to call it a logo design, but it's... Oh, I guess it's, like, the art style. Uh, Looks pretty cool. Six arches, yeah? Yeah, six arches. It looks pretty cool. They've had some better ones. They've had some worse ones, I'll take it. Um, And there, you know, you've got a student challenge. They're going to run students to come on campus and stuff. It's very similar to last year, exactly. Obviously, what we're expecting at WWC 2023 is Apple to announce all of the operating system stuff. So iOS 17, iPadOS 17, macOS 14, whatever random name they give it, uh, watchOS 10, it'll be 10th watchOS, tvOS 17. And of course, the big rumor is that June is when, June WWC is when Apple was going to announce the headset. That's at least according to uh, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, who reiterated that schedule when the when the announcement was made about wwc being official um since then quo has maybe put some doubt on the fire saying uh, that the production schedule for the apple arvio headset has been delayed again till like late q3 of this year yeah. which he speculates might mean they might not even announce it in june because of the big run time i'm not sure about uh, the big lead time between the two dates I'm not sure about that so much. Like, I kind of feel like everyone's kind of anticipating, like, even if you ask Mark Gurman, I think he would say, you know, announcement in June, release at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. ramping up to mass production in Q3 still kind of follows that imagined roadmap. Any new Apple product, they always have a big lead time on. You know, Apple Watch was September through to April. iPad was January through to March. iPhone was six months difference. You know, they they, they, they have no qualms in announcing stuff relatively ahead of time when it's a branding uh, product category
0: and it's a software event where they announced the software coming in the fall
1: yes <laughs> that too yeah um and you know it's called a software event, but they have done hardware before right like you sure. know, they announced the home pod there they announced loads of macs there we might see m3 announcements this june potentially yeah. or it could mac- be a MacBook Air was last year at the WWDC. MacBook Air was last year yeah empty member care and w- mac pro is a, you know that's they surely it's got to be this WWDC, right like, well and there's
0: and there's no rumors of an april or may event as of right now so
1: the june yeah. would be the next opportunity mm-hmm. and for a new map pro they again could announce it in june and not ship it to the end of the year as well like it's just a small niche <laughs> but, product that doesn't really yeah. matter yeah um but yeah i'm looking forward to it uh german also had this report this week which is quite funny it's like because before we did ios 17 would be mostly bug fix and performance focused. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Well, actually, the sk- the plans changed a little bit, and iOS 17 will have some nice to have, user uh, requested features, uh, whatever that means. You can yeah. make invent your own your, your own thing, but at least it means that there's going to be some substantive differences rather than just you know an iOS 12 kind of performance bug fix yeah. release.
0: So. We we have to have the annual revamp of notifications. How, how yeah.
1: Works, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if there's anything like. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about some iOS, like 17 prediction stuff closer to the time. I can't think of it. There's nothing like right off the tip of my tongue. I'm like, I really wish they fixed it this year. I, I hope like,
0: that the uh, watchOS 10, you know, well, two things, watchOS 10 and, and then Dynamic Island. I hope that because this is the first software update for hardware that already exists, that those two things, you know, iOS 17 does more with Dynamic Island and mm-hmm. watchOS 10 does more with Apple Watch Ultra screen real estate.
1: Well, I expect that there'll be more to do with the Dynamic Island. <laughs> yeah. Especially as the iPhone 15 this year is getting it as well, right? Not just the 15 Pro. Yeah. Apple Watch Ultra, oh, I wouldn't be so convinced. I bet it remains a. They might add some more um, fitness features, right? Because, um, you know, like maybe offline maps, that kind of thing, you know, more, sure. more fine-grained tracking and stuff, yeah. responding to the complaints of people who got the Apple Watch Ultra and were trying to use it to match up with the Garmin watches. So, But, you know, they announced a load of that stuff last year, too for watch 9 and it you know it's conveniently ready for the apple watch ultra release i'm they always working on that but in terms of like ui changes for like the bigger screen and stuff i would be less i'd be much more pessimistic fair yeah so yeah wwc 23 june 5th
0: only two more months of headset rumors maybe possibly
1: before it gets delayed again (laughs) yeah i this
0: this has got to be it this is yeah if nothing else it will be nice to see what this thing looks like
1: indeed indeed Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by FastGrowingTrees.com. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. Trees are a great way to add some privacy and shade to your home while also showing off the beauty of nature. Let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with the expert advice and fast shipping. Go to FastGrowingTrees.com slash happy hour now to get 15% off your entire order their plant experts curate thousands of easy to grow plant shrub and tree varieties for your climate knowing what to plant can be daunting it's hard to know what is best for your particular climate and soil but no need to worry fastgrowingtrees.com gives you customized recommendation based on your specific needs and no more waiting in long lines to haul heavy plants home from the garden center with fastgrowingtrees.com you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days Now, Zach, I know you received some plants from fast-growing trees, so I'm curious to hear what you got and how they look.
0: Sure. So on Monday, there was a thud on my porch, and I looked outside, and there was a very long skinny box on the porch that the uh, delivery person had left, and I thought, how do you fit a plant in there? (laughs) Brought the box inside, and and because it was in a box, I did not know what to expect in terms of what the plants would look like. Uh, What I'd ordered were uh, a Rika palm tree and a fiddle leaf fig tree, both of which uh, were described as being between three and four foot tall with well-developed foliage already. And uh, I got to say, it's really impressive to open up a a shipping box and take out of it mature plants that are tall and and like they say, well-developed foliage. So I was really impressed with that. Um, A couple of things that are awesome about about fastgrowingtrees.com, the ability to find what you're looking for, it's so much easier than like walking around a nursery and not really knowing anything about anything unless you ask somebody. The website's very well laid out, lots of information, lots of great filters for search so you can see what's good for where you live, what sort of lighting environment you're going to have, um, that sort of thing. And I was—it was really easy for me to find. Okay, I, I sort of want to sort of house plants, uh, patio patio plants, and um, narrowing down my options was super easy. I have confidence that I can keep these plants alive because they give such great instructions for how to take care of these things. Um, and I'm looking forward to the to the to this in the long end because the three to four foot plants that I have, you know, some of them can be ten feet, some of them can be thirty feet if outdoors. So. This is a long game investment, uh, but it was actually very affordable for for you know great quality plans, and I'm great. I'm, I'm really happy to have Fast Growing Trees as a sponsor because the experience was that good.
1: And you can order with Fast Growing Trees thirty day alive and thrive guarantee, so you know that everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million Happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash happyhour now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash happyhour. Thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring the show. Next up, we have iPhone
0: 15. What's what's new with iPhone 15 Pro rumors this week before we get into the release this this September?
1: Yeah, so there was a... A curiosity, I would say, in that Quo said that with the iPhone 15 Pro, Apple is moving the proximity sensor back out of under the screen and back to the Dynamic Island. So this was kind of weird, right? So with the iPhone 14, Apple mo- and the redesign with the island uh, being introduced, Apple so before like the old like the notch phones, the proximity sensor was in the you know true depth camera system housing. It was in that little notch part. Um, with the iPhone 15, they moved it under the screen. But what I think that really meant was like it's under the top bezel. You know how the, the earpiece is like at the very top of the phone? I yeah. think the proximity sensor is near it. Um, but it was kind of seen as like the first suggestion that maybe we're going to be able to move all of the stuff that used to have to have, you know, visible holes um, out of the way under the display in the very, very corners of the bezel um, and get to that ideal phone, which has no, you know, no bezel at all, and it's just a screen. Uh, what, but what's interesting is with the iPhone 15 Pro, uh, Ming Chi Kuo says that the proximity sensor is now situated within the dynamic island itself. So they've taken it back out of the under screen placement and back into the kind of sensor housing array. He says this won't have any difference um, to the size of the dynamic island. It should basically look identical. Uh, it's unclear why they've done this. Apparently, the, the specs for the proximity sensor are slightly improved. So, they're going up to a 940 wavelength rather than 1380, um, which might make it slightly more responsive. It might also um, kind of combine with some improvements to the face ID recognition. So, maybe the face ID sensor is just slightly faster, slightly larger area, you know, radius of, of vision and detection in general. Um, so, you might get some improved face ID performance. That's unconfirmed, that's just speculation. Uh, but it's just kind of an interesting curiosity that they are now. And bringing the dynamic island they, they bring the proximity sensor back out of the bezel again and putting it back to where it kind of was this whole time so do we go from having a standard and then it dropped a little bit and now we're going back to the standard Possibly. possibly <laughs> okay or I wondered and quo doesn't expound on the reasoning I wondered you know like the iPhone 15 um is getting thinner bezels
0: right maybe right, the yeah.
1: proximity sensor can't fit in that top bezel anymore so they're just putting it back where it fits makes sense. Because the bezels, I believe, for the, the current iPhone bezels, are like the edge bezels are like 3.9 millimeters. And I believe they're going to under 2 millimeters um, with the iPhone 15. Yeah, rumored, rumored
0: to be the thinnest of any smartphone. And I, I like this race to have thinner bezels versus thinner phones. That was what the iPhone 5 was like. It was like the thinnest smartphone to date. Uh, but thinner bezels when, we, when it, it, and uh, not caring as much about the thickness of it all. I like that better
1: yeah and technically moving as long as the dynamic island isn't getting bigger i don't think it really matters that the proximity sensor is placed uh, if it's back in the island i guess that's fine um it's just a weird thing that on the march of progress it kind of feels like we haven't quite got to the point yet where apple can really start doing under screen stuff in general um but it doesn't really matter until they can get face id or the camera under the screen so yeah kind of a non-story in that regard like there's some rumors that maybe with the 16 uh, they might be able to take face ID sensors under the screen, so you'd only have a ca- uh, only have a um, camera hole. Uh, but those are very very vague at the moment and nowhere near definitive. So I'm hoping for it, but I I mean the the reality is they introduced a dynamic island last year. That at least gives you I'd say three years, three generations of phone that look just like that. Yeah. Maybe you know in the long in the long run they do a high end phone or something that starts to you know, shrink that down even more. But it's just a thing where Android phones had, do ha- that rely on fingerprint recognition do have an advantage that they can just have you know pinhole cutouts for a camera and nothing else. Um, whereas the iPhone right now, because it uses face recognition, which I do like Face ID a lot, uh, it, one of the disadvantages is they just ha- they they can't take those sensors under the screen and hide them away, so you just get this bigger dynamic island area. The other the other big thing, so that that's something probably kind of
0: minor. Um, but the other the thing about the iPhone 15 Pro that we've talked about before, and we've we've provided some information first for, is the the mute switch. And there's more talk about what that could do. I think we've given maybe the most information about how it will differ in terms of appearance and function. Um, and now there's there's even more talk about what it could do with customization and, and everything, right?
1: Yeah. So a forum poster who was previously reported um, accurately on Dynamic Island details is uh, back on the MacRomance forums to talk about what the iPhone 15, how the iPhone 15 buttons work. And he refers to the iPhone 15, you know, mute ringer switch thing, which we previously said was changing to a button. He refers to it as an action button, um, indicating that it will be customizable just like the Apple Watch Ultra. And specifically, these buttons will even work even when the phone is switched off. So, the like the low energy coprocessor is going to be upgraded in the iPhone 15 Pro model so that the capacitive buttons um for, for the volume and for the mute switch uh, will still be able to vibrate and detect even when the phone's fully shut down. So they'll kind of have um like some sort of pressure sensitivity in them, not full you know, 3D touch capability, but some kind of pressure sensitivity. Um and you know, haptic feedback, even if the phone's fully powered off, you'll be able to, you know, obviously press the power button make it turn on maybe you can hold the ringer switch button it does something different and then you can imagine when the phone's fully booted up that ringer the, the, the old physical ringer switch only would make your phone mute or unmute um, and now it's a button it'll probably default to mute and unmute for consistency with previous models but because they don't with the Apple Watch Ultra it doesn't seem out of the question that you could you know take a little trip to the settings app and there'll be a action button option and you can change it maybe to rotation lock or maybe something even customizable, uh, run a shortcut, you know, launch an app that kind of thing. Camera shutter button would be nice. If like you look at Apple Ultra, and they yeah. have, you know, they have some system options, right? Kind of like a mini control center, but just for one button. Mm-hmm. So you know, they have start a workout, start a specific workout, just open the workout app, open a specific app, open a flashlight, flashlight workout app, flashlight, yeah. siren, I believe. Um, timers yeah and then you can just run an arbitrary shortcut that you've set up in the shortcuts app you can very easily translate that experience to an iphone and have some value because like the ringer switch it's a we've always talked about how it's kind of weird that apple's the outlier in keeping a physical element around that android fans don't offer at all and obviously they took the ring switch off of the ipad um very many years ago now so now, I, and I think there's a lot of people that don't actually use the ringer switch really. Like I leave the ringer switch permanently in mute mode and just use my phone in mute and then I rely on the Apple Watch to give me vibrations, right? So the physical switch on the side isn't really doing anything for me. And in fact, it's almost a nuisance because occasionally you put it in your pocket and you accidentally flick the ring switch back to non-silented and then it starts making noise again. You're like, well, that's annoying because because it's a physical switch, they can't offer a software control for it because um, mm-hmm. you know the state of the ring silent has to reflect the physical hardware whereas if you just change it to a stateless button you can then make it do whatever you want so you know if i had a 15 pro in the settings i would just set it to mute all the time and then i can make the button do something different and then i wouldn't have the problems of walking around and accidentally unmuting when i didn't want it to um so that's like and and it also stops the physical failings because i have seen fair number of reports from various people including members of my family that over time the ring silent switch gets loose And so it becomes even easier to accidentally toggle its state, uh, which is not great. Whereas if it's a stateless button, it's pretty hard for that to go wrong, and you can always disable the button in software, change the change the function of it, and do whatever you want. Uh, I don't know if you've got any ideas about what you'd like, whether you would keep it on ring silent or whether you change it to a different feature. Because I I know I'd rather not have it as ring silent because I always leave my phone muted, but I I can't immediately think like what I'd rather do instead. You know? Yeah, I I just
0: love how the the leak process works. It's just like with the iPhone Seven headphone jack going away. We learn about it so far in advance that when the thing, when it actually t- it gets announced, if you follow rumors, then you're like, duh, like of course that was going to happen, and you've already had the time to process like over months what it means uh, and sort of you know what you're going to do with it, yeah, <laughs> right. You're you're just you're no longer like, what do you mean to go away the mute switch? How this is terrible, and then you have to like eventually come around to it. We're, once again we're doing that now like it feels like over the, the last several weeks we've gone from like nothing's wrong with the mute switch to like it fails and it, it triggers accidentally and it's not some, some people don't even use it and i think that's, those are all true um i i do toggle mine and i leave my phone unmuted because i like and and i have on the watch most alerts not going to the watch at all i think it's right now just phone calls go to the watch for me because i like how you can have different tones for things like uh messages for different people and you still can't do that for the watch um and i like the sound of keyboard clicking on the, the phone and i'm not like in public and i'm not like in an office space so um i think all those things are nice and, and, and private especially um uh, the, the camera shutter sounds things like that but i do mute whenever you know, I'm, I'm among company or that sort of thing. And so I, I do toggle it, but kind of like you said, a lot of times if you just ask me, even though you say like you leave it in default, default uh, muted, I do toggle it. So if you just ask me, I'm, I wouldn't know at any given point if it's muted or not muted. And so um, for that reason, if it were in software instead, it's not essential to have it on the phone. What I would love to see is what, what I used with the iPhone. 10s max which was that the smart battery case for that phone and it had the button that you could click even when the screen's off and it would launch the camera app Mm -hmm. um so not just a shutter button like you can use volume for you know and click to take the picture but actually launch the camera from screen off and that would be especially useful now because with especially with the always on display where you've got a, a state where it's the screen's visible but the camera shortcut isn't and then you tap once more and then you, then you can see the camera shortcut button and then you long press that and you can launch the camera. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit longer of a process. And I, and I will say too, with the way that the watch or excuse me, the lock screen, uh, customization works, I do go through a lot of times where I'm like, I'm pressing the camera button or I'm not quite there and I go into customization mode or like, I'm oh, swiping. so you like
1: miss the touch target. So it just edits the. Widgets. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah,
0: I go into that edit mode a lot when I when I don't mean to, and I think it's from from swiping and 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 holding, you know. So and, and I don't find that the swipe in from the right side to the left shortcut works as well as it has in the past. Uh, I don't know why, but but it, so that button is the most reliable. But that's that's one thousand percent what I would do if the button were customizable. It could just launch the camera app. Um, I know people would would also do things with shortcuts and maybe even um, use a shortcut to launch a different camera app. But for me, I would be perfectly happy with just you click that button and the camera app opens. Even if your
1: screen's off, it goes right to it. That would be Yeah, that'd be way more useful for me than a ringer switch that I never toggle. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Yeah. And then one other um, part to this report is that because all the buttons will have supposedly some sort of pressure sensitivity, it might be the case that like on the volume rocker, uh, if you press harder, it changes the volume quicker. Or maybe you can slide on the volume rocker and rather than just have to press, 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 press. Um, that's an interesting, just nicety, you know. It's not going to make you buy the phone, but if you've got the phone and you've got capacitive buttons, uh, you might as well take advantage of them as much as possible. That's an iOS 17
0: nice-to-have feature.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, my my
1: car steering wheel has
0: swipe to change volume up and down, and it's it's terrible, but it's also better than when I turn it off. <laughs> so, I, I, what I wish on my car was just that I had a, a volume knob I could turn. But it's not that. So, um, you, you t- either touch areas or you swipe up and down. Uh, and I and I do this swipe part enough on the steering wheel that, like I said, it's it's better than turning it off and just clicking. Um, but uh, on the phone, I don't know about that. I think like what's pre- what's pretty standard on Android phones, I guess, is that if you you click up or down the volume goes up or down or if you click and hold then it goes all the way until you let go i think that's fine like and if on the iphone if
1: you if you, you can copied, click and hold on the iphone yeah
0: yeah if you copied what i what android does has always done without a mute switch and you just made it like you know volume is 10 to 10 to to, to zero and if you go below zero then your phone then your sounds are muted as well i think that would be okay what what you know what what's can be confusing is that you can have different volume levels for ringtone and alarm and the sounds on your media. Phone. Yeah. yeah, so you've got the volume control and control center, and that's for media. And then the buttons are can can be for media as well, but they can also. I guess I, I think like by default right now the the ringtone volume is only in system in, in settings.
1: Yeah, that's there's a thing. there's a switch in settings and under sounds called change with buttons. Yeah. If you have that turned on, the ringer sound also changes with the volume on the side. If you have it off, you can set a volume um, for the ringtone that's never changed. The volume on the side only controls media, which is, I think, how it makes sense to do it. So yeah. that's what I also have. I have the ringtone set in settings and then uh, the media volume is just done by the buttons on the side. Yeah.
0: So if, if it's all in software visually, then, then that's clarifying for me at least. It also reminds me, the we talked about this last week, but the iOS sixteen point four feature where you can uh, on you can you can uh, on a phone call turn on noise cancel. What, what do you call it? Uh, voice isolation. I think voice isolation. Yeah, right. yeah, that that phones have had for a long time, and then certain phones don't have anymore, and they they brought it back in the software. I think the way that you turn it on is in a phone call, you go to control center and you long press on on the volume, and then it's a toggle right there, as if you were doing transparency or Dolby Atmos special audio. with with headphones um it seems like that that you could just do more with revealing different volume controls and and features what they do than than just having the buttons do something and then other things are in software so we will see
1: yeah there's definitely scope for them to do i think press sensitivity they're not going to make them press sensitive and do nothing with it right but even like you know what apple is like they have a lot of restraint so you can imagine just hold it down it goes down faster hold it up it moves up faster is enough to justify it and then maybe on the action button if you like do a light press or like you press hard or you like double click or something it does other stuff like there's definitely scope there and the whole idea of a customizable button would be way more alien and in terms of acceptance if it wasn't for the Apple Watch Ultra that's already out that does this right like Mm. if the Apple Watch Ultra didn't exist and there was a rumor that like Apple's going to offer you a customizable button be a lot more skeptical about the whole thing because prior to the ultra we didn't want a camera button that, Yeah,
0: we did B- yeah. based on the smart battery case of that's the what Apple i mean generation. like if
1: you just saw the cads of a of the Ring switch being replaced by a button last year you know yeah. pre-apple watch ultra action button situation yeah. i feel like the go-to assumption would be oh it's just for the camera right yeah uh but now it's like oh it's an action button it's customizable it's just a slightly different um You know, Apple's slightly more open to that kind of stuff these days, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Finally this week, Happy Hour is also brought to you by Mkiki, the company that specialises in designing exquisite, diverse, and comfortable iPhone cases. Mkiki has been doing this a while as a top brand of iPhone cases since 2015, and they have the plaudits to show for it. They have over 1 million positive customer reviews, Amazon choice recognition, and even a climate pledge-friendly certification. Of course, they have options for all of the phone models, but let's focus on their iPhone 14 Pro Max silicon case for a moment. It has raised bezels and all four corners have built-in airbags to prevent the screen and camera from getting dinged and scratched. It's MagSafe compatible with all Qi certified MagSafe chargers and car mounts. The premium silicon shell is skin friendly and feels great to the touch with precisely pronounced volume buttons and a cutout for easy access to the mute switch on the side. And it's all manufactured in accordance with environmental standards, made with healthy and environmentally friendly materials. All materials have passed the international carbon neutral certification process. Follow the link in the show notes to check out their entire range of cases. Their diverse and expansive collection means they always have something great to pair with your iPhone. Thanks to mkiki for sponsoring the show. Alright finally finally
0: Apple Music Classical has been released. Apple did a staggered rollout where the pre-order system or available in the App Store was based on uh, time, and so going from the eastern part of the, the world to the western part of the world, it slowly rolled out over the span of a day. And uh, that means that you got it before I did the app. Um, I don't have a lot to say on this one. It, I, it's I was I was uh, what was fun for me was. Um, you know seeing is there a car play app no not surprising um it's <laughs> <laughs> like the last unknown um is, is there any music i have that is already in my in, in the library for classical and the answer that was ds yes, was a lot of it like it's mostly soundtracks there were there were some songs that were like like i guess had come from uh recommendations um I know one song came from a photo's memory, and I liked the song that was in it, so I saved it to my library. There was *Tron Legacy* soundtrack, which is dash punk, it's classical. Uh, *Hamilton* soundtrack. For I Hamilton. had *Hamilton*, yeah, yeah, was there. Yeah. You know, classical rap, I guess. Uh, but there wasn't. There wasn't a Christmas. There was also what? What have you played? Like recently played? Play again, just like the music app has. And for that, it went. It, there was much more. It was like um, Christmas carols showed up as classical. Um, my my Apple Music replay from 2015 was there, so I guess there was. I played more classical then than than any other time. Uh, but but that was kind of the extent, extent of the app for me. Honestly, I, I, I had my fun. I I played around with it. I looked at the user interface. And it's now, I, I've reached the status quickly
1: where it's not on my phone anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. we are not the target market for this yeah. application. um. I And we wouldn't have, I wouldn't know what to add to the library, to be honest, if uh, it didn't already have some stuff preceded from Apple Music Library. Because the way that the app works is it literally, it mirrors a subset of your Apple Music Library. It just, whatever it assumes is classical is available there. And it's also available in Apple Music. So it's kind of weird that like you can add songs in Classical, it appears in Apple Music, and if you delete a song in Classical, it also deletes it from Apple Music Catalog. So, so let's say Hamilton is a, is a... Let's say you don't consider Hamilton to be a Classical Music, right? But you, you do want to use the Classical app in general. You can't remove Hamilton from Apple Music Classical without it also being removed from Apple Music. It's weirdly tied together like that. Um, yeah. It, it kind of feels like something where when you first set up the app, it should, like, import your classical music from Apple Music, but not necessarily always keep it in mirrored step. Like, is it, this this whole... This just kind of circles around the big question, which is, like, why does this have to be a separate application in a, at all? Like, it's, it's such a bizarre thing, and I'm not the target market. As I said, I don't really listen to classical music. I had, like, three albums total in there, and one of them was Hamilton, so there you go. But, like, you explore the app it doesn't feel different enough to be worthy of a wholly separate standalone icon on the home screen with similar but different UI and confusingly overlapping library functionality, and then different features across the board. Like, you mentioned no CarPlay. So if you do love classical music, but you're in the car, well, Apple's only solution right now is to just use Apple Music like ever. Uh, There's no Apple TV app. So if you like classical music, you can't listen to it on the TV. And on the TV the the TV the Apple TV box is you, is one of the most common things that people use to get like spatial audio in their like living room home theater system yeah um and they're making a big deal about this with the classical music having thousands of options and you can get lossless streaming through classical music uh, the classical app as well but you're on Apple TV OS there's no classical version either so that, it's that's, long, well, where, it just...
0: that's where that's why it makes most sense for me to have the app because on on the Apple TV it's got a it's got maybe like one of the best music clients. For Apple Music, it's easy to to navigate. It's it looks nice. Yeah. It looks nice. It's well featured. And so, if you took that same thing, but you made it classical, and it was like like um, you know other apps optional to, to to put on your Apple TV, that would make a lot of sense. Maybe maybe they'll do that. Maybe that's one of the things they'll prioritize.
1: But, I but think why the didn't reason... they just put classical in the classical part of the yeah. Apple Music app? Like that's what befuddles. It feels like a tech like a tech stack problem. Like I feel like the... Because you use the app and it apes the Apple Music UI, but it's not the same. Like, mm-hmm. a dumb example is that I noticed almost immediately. If you're scrolling around in Apple Music Classical and you try and go back a page, you know, like how you can, like, you know, if you're in a navigation stack, you go, like, swipe on the edge to go back. Well, in the general system, you can do that whenever you want. But in the classical app, for some bizarre reason, if you're if the table view like if the list is currently animating its scroll, you can't go back with a swipe. You have to stop the the list from moving before you can swipe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like why? Because it's like it's not it's clearly not the same UI framework that the Apple Music app uses, even though it looks very similar. And in some ways, it's better in that I feel like it's slightly faster for stuff to load. Like you click around and then. Like the pages loading quicker than Apple Music, which I feel like isn't the fastest app in the world, but Classical seems to be a bit quicker. It's almost like they have a separate, like, content delivery system for Classical compared to main Apple Music. I think what's happened—this is just a theory—I think they've taken the PrimePhonic app, which mm-hmm. used to exist, and then they've reskinned it to look like Apple Music.
0: That's—I think that's right. I think that um, we found a lot of code references that's that's like PrimePhonic that hasn't even been changed, like references to years and things like that. Yeah, are in this app. Uh, And so that that
1: makes sense. Because little things, like, for instance, there's no context menu support in the entire application. Anything in the Apple Music app, you can long press on it and it pops up with a little menu of options. You do it in classical, nowhere does it actually pop up any menu at all. And there's just weird little, like, things like that. And, like, the, the now playing screen is similar, but different. Like, the buttons don't animate in the same way. You do have the iOS 16 style a volume slider, which is nice mm. because the podcast app still doesn't have that. But like the animation of the card, the now playing card appearing from the tab, you know, it's in the tab at the bottom, you click on it, it just kind of slides up. You, you compare it to Apple music. It's quite different where the album art moves around and stuff. Like it, it almost feels like you're using like a copycat application. It's kind of a weird situation. And what I don't understand is why they went to all this hassle to have like another branch of Apple music. So you've got like the AppCure app on the Mac with I, you know, what used to be called iTunes and called music. You've got the web version, which they're basically adopting to be used for um, Windows as well. You've got the kind of like TV version that isn't the tvOS version that runs on, you know, Roku sticks and Samsung Smart TVs and LG Smart TVs. You've got like the Apple Music on iPhone. You've now got Apple Music Classical, which is different because it also doesn't. And because it's different, it also doesn't have a Mac version or an iPad version. And even basic features like downloading for offline can't do it in apple music classical you can only stream for who knows why there's no shuffle option there's no shuffling features like it's such a weird blend there's no siri support if you try and ask classical to play music with siri it just doesn't let you do it and i don't think these are things that they're gonna like necessarily keep in, like catch up with the main app like i feel like it's always going to be behind just like the music app on the mac is always behind music on the iphone And there's no, like, lyrics for you. Like, it's kind of... It just feels like they've made the wrong choice. And, like, they've come with a tech stack of PrimePhonic and they've put a UI skin on it. Whereas what I really think they... And I'm sure they consider this and they must have said no for some reason. is like, just have a music tab called Classical. And you can, like, optionally enable it. And if you go into the main Classical app, then you can have the extra metadata and stuff show up when you click on an album or if you click on a classical album in the main music app it would launch the slightly different now playing experience with the multiple lines of text and the and the metadata information and the full you know playing from and composer details and stuff like the extra information they have exposing classical doesn't feel like it's enough to justify an entirely different application with all the downsides of like it mostly not working like the main app because now you know let's imagine ios 17 rolls around there's going to be some changes to music. None of those things account kind of they, to classical. They're gonna, it's gonna, if they even if they want to make it work like Apple Music in every single way, it's gonna take them years to catch up. Like it took them three years to launch this, and it's already behind in iOS 16.4. They made it so your little profile icon in the Apple Music app is visible in every single tab at the top right. Yeah, classical? No. In fact, there's no profile at all anywhere. Like this is so bizarre. It's like a, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, uh, back to
0: your idea about separating your libraries. If you had a separate library for the classical app, and you would your Apple Music app. That that seems like it might be ideal. If it, once they have the classical app in other places, but, but right now they're relying on the music app to be your view into the classical your classical library, uh, if you were with the iPhone. So maybe, maybe when they have apps on iPad and Mac,
1: I'm not sure they're going to do it yeah me neither <laughs> I feel like the amount of technical investment it takes them to make an entire separate app that is clearly built with a completely different like stack yeah to then repeat it for iPad TV Mac like I just don't think it's going to happen they've said an Android yeah. version is coming soon which is probably because they took the Prime Phonic app for Android and put a UI skin on it as well Uh, like they're just they're just going to have so many different apps like you know Android AppKit UIKit Kit. TV, web, like, it just feels like they're, they're digging a hole for themselves that they never should have done. I don't know, like, you use Apple, I, I'd obviously, if you're a classical fan, it's nice now that you do have um classical app after they got rid of Prime Phonic, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure people will like it, but I've immediately seen people complaining, that they're like, it's not available on the iPad, it's not available on the TV, it's not. it just feels like they could have come on in a slightly different way and not had to sacrifice and, like, rebuild from scratch the entire application. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the main screens of the app, they're basically identical to Apple Music, apart from the font slightly different. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, now you've rebuilt the whole app to have, like, the metadata look different when you're in an album or have, like, work shown when you scroll down. Like, those detail screens, I don't see why they couldn't have just integrated that into the main music app itself. If yeah. It feels like a, that would have been a better outcome. So, I'm not... Hmm. When, when they announced this plan, I was sceptical and I'm not convinced now that the product's here that it, it really makes sense to have a whole separate ca- application just for Classical when they can't keep feature parity. It works differently. It didn't even pause when I just clicked it then and I was scrolling around it. Like <laughs> Any bug fixes are always going to be different. All the features yeah. are going to be different. They're going to announce new stuff in, in 17 for main Apple Music that's not going to come to Classical Maybe at some point classical gets features, the main music app doesn't when it would make sense for them both to have it. I just, it doesn't seem like a good decision. In the same way that I now feel like it's a bad decision what they did with music on the Mac where they just reskinned iTunes again and called it music. When what they probably should have done is made like a catalyst version of the music app and put it on the Mac Absolutely. to get like the best Apple music experience on the laptops as well mm-hmm. as the phones. So we obviously, we don't have the internal insight into why this decision was made this way but it doesn't feel like a perfect outcome, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: this, this is at least a starting point, and it took them a long time, but they, they did get what they bought. They bought PrimePhonic, the service, and, they, and then now they have a, that same thing, but as an Apple, you know, they've, they've replaced the discontinued app. Apple's in control of it now. They've got their UI over the, the database, and it does seem clear that there's a database for Apple Music, and there's a database for Apple Music Classical, and they're different, and they don't sync. They, they don't talk to each other, um, like there's metadata you can search for or ways of searching, you can find in Apple Music classical that you can't find in Apple Music. And, and they even though the, the, the libraries are shared, it, it's the ways of navigating and discovery that are not. And it seems like they like why why wouldn't you bring those same things to um, the music app, especially in, especially when you've got one music app for everywhere but the iPhone um, that you'd want to have that experience and that you just treat this genre differently, present it differently. Than you
1: would any other genre in the music app. They could do that. Well, um, and you know, like how the music app has all the queue features, so you can like play next, play later. Yeah. Classical has none of that.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't do shuffle either, which I mean, I think there's.
1: there's Prime Sonic t- didn't do shuffle either. Yeah,
0: know. but it seems like those are decisions. Or, like, I, I don't know, will, will they. Same thing with the profile features. Like, you
1: can't tell me that the, like setting up a playlist is a. If you. like. I, I don't know. If you can make a playlist, then you should be able to dynamically play next an album after the first one. Just because it's classical music doesn't mean people don't want to listen to just one album and then be done with it, you know? Like, yeah. Shuffle, you could maybe make an artistic case for if you really wanted to just try and stretch it. But still, like, it just feels like they had features they needed to get, like, a minimum viable version of a fake version of Apple Music just with a different database behind it. Yeah. And that's what they've delivered. And I'm so sceptical that you know, what's the chances this ever gets another update for another year? Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't. It doesn't feel like next month they're going to go around and then add context menus everywhere to make it work Apple Music. Or like a good example is this scrolling bug, right? Like, it immediately, if you actually try and use the app, you're scrolling around. You want to go back, it doesn't work. You have to wait till it stops moving. How long do you think it's going to take them to fix that? <laughs> yeah,
0: those like those those are the details. That I doubt to... it's going to
1: be a week, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if if they're just integrating Apple Music, all those interactions. Would have already just worked because they've already done it. So, yeah, I don't get it.
0: I really don't get it. Yeah, if you're a PrimePhonic user or you're you you've always just used Apple Music and iTunes, it does seem like there's this this is better though. I don't know if it's better than Prime phonic better than the Apple Music experience before,
1: better than iTunes. Oh, one hundred percent is better if yeah. you really want classical music, mm-hmm. but. I feel like if you buy a company out, you could it the better the better path would be to have a super music app. You know, if you're going classical, you get a classical experience for those classical albums. Not have multiple apps you have to ding dong between that have different feature sets and different capabilities.
0: Yeah. yeah, that isn't the kind of like bloat bloat that happened to iTunes, where it was a music player and a TV show store and a movie store and a podcast player and an audiobook player and sync your phone and all that. Like when you say super app for music. If it's all music features, that seems fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. They they yeah. have music videos in the music app. What do they want to do? Make a separate UI just for music videos because you can have a slightly better experience that way. Like, I'll give them any ideas. I know, like pop yeah. music, you know, like what genre do you want to pick next? Like obviously classical has a different way of organizing things, you know, by composer, by track by recording. And probably if if you want me to be cynical this all comes down to the fact that, like, the Apple Music database is built on, like, the iTunes stack from 20 years ago, and it doesn't have those, you know, the database doesn't have that support to organize the content that way. Right, so yeah. So they had to make a whole, you know, they had to build it off the Prime Phonic database and then build the whole UI again to basically I mean, that's, like, the it. practical, that's what, like, the practical difference is here, is, yeah. is that. Yeah. It's just navigation hierarchy, almost. Mm-hmm. But I don't I Whatever. This is what it is. I don't think it really makes I sense. Apple Music Classical... Like, all, yeah, new database. Music classical. <laughs> all new database familiar all interface uh different performance and yeah, i never work. use it again it's not because but i would never use it again if it was the best app in the world i just don't really care about yeah, it right, right right yeah yeah, yeah.
0: well that, uh, it's here <laughs> <laughs> i do like that they that in books and and classical they use serif fonts and then everywhere else they use sans serif fonts like i it's such a it's such a small thing, but I it's it's an effect that I like. You know, classes of the place. That's that's all we I think that's all we have for classical. Yeah. 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 Until they until they release the Android app, then we'll say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Android app has cross fading.
0: It, it will. <laughs> the Android <laughs> app will. The Android app will just be. It'll be the music app. They'll they'll actually do the super app that. They'll way. do the
1: right thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They'll they'll figure out how to merge the, the two databases, and the <laughs> iPhone will always be separate.
1: <laughs> All right, that
0: mm-hmm. is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe or follow. You can subscribe to the ad free version of an Apple Podcast for five dollars a month or fifty dollars per year. That helps direct uh, directly support us. We appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors as well. If you have any feedback, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach or on Mastodon at LunarPunk.Social. Benjamin, you're on the internet at... bees at And we will be back next week. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye.